Join Ian Garvey as we uncover the hidden marketing stories that shape our world. Reveal the latest marketing tactics that will shape your future and the amazing people that grow organizations, movements, and businesses. Learn to grow your business and shape the world around you. Welcome to the Garlic Marketing Show with Ian Garlic. And yes, it's Ian, not Ian. That's marketing too. Welcome back to the Garlic Marketing Show. Ian Garlic here. And today we've got an incredible guest, a former news anchor, uh, been all over the news and now helps other people, other women all around the world uh, improve their leadership skills, improve their speaking, and takes them on amazing adventures. Joya Das is here. Joya, thank you for joining us. Hi, and thank you for having me. How's it going? It's awesome. And of course, before we get started with Joya, this is brought to you by storycruise.com. If you want, uh, we're going to talk about it. Number one way to grow your business is through video and video case stories. To learn more about it, go to storycruise.com slash video case story. Um, all right. And Joya's website is joyadas.com. We'll just get started with that. J-O-Y-A-D-A-S-S. Dot com. Joya has uh, been the anchor on New York, the business anchor on New York One News. And if you're not from New York, it is the most ubiquitous news station in New York. Uh, you've been all over the place. You've done tons of public speaking, TED Talks. Um, and now you're just putting your impact out in the world. Joya, thank you so much for being on. And I'm so excited to talk to you about all this. So you, you have an interesting story. We're going to talk about how to make impact, how to get your story out how to, you know, what's working right now. But I think your story of becoming a news anchor is awesome. Yeah. And I want to share that with the audience first. You know, I've known since I was four years old that I wanted to be a TV anchor. And that doesn't land so well with parents who have crossed an ocean from India and landed in central Pennsylvania and wanted to protect their little girl from everything that was scary. And I was just a really strong-willed child from since I was very young. I knew I wanted to move to New York. I knew I wanted to be a TV anchor. I knew I wanted to date who I wanted to date. I wanted to dress the way I wanted to dress. And none of that was part of the program. So I left at 18 and I paid for college and I paid for grad school and I paid for every move around the country to come to New York and be here for the last 20 years and not only be a news anchor, but to cover business news because People always give a shit about their money. And that is the one piece of the broadcast that's never going to get cut out. Um, the other important piece, and I'm very vocal about this, is that I also grew up in a home where I saw that women didn't have a voice. I grew up in a home of a lot of domestic violence. And so for me, it also became important over time that I was going to use my voice to be able to like move myself forward and hopefully, you know, champion other people and move them forward as well. So I, I think that those were like the two sort of North stars with which I was able to get this far and always, you know, have that carrot at the end of the stick. I now have a women's leadership platform and that really took place concurrently while I was still on the air. I just realized that I was, I was raised in a, in a home where there was no space to have conversations about becoming managing director about becoming CEO, about becoming a news anchor. And so I was like, all right, well, I'm probably the big outlier here. I've, I'm not afraid to ask anybody for everything, but I see that not everybody else is. And I see that space isn't really there for other Indian women. So what if I just created it? What if I just took the dynamic of interviewing CEOs every day that rang the opening or closing bell and just move that dynamic in front of this audience in order to be able to create teaching moments? 
So my company is called Lady Drinks. Um, I've had it for nine years now. And the way I still drive my programming is that every week I bring in a CEO or an expert because I want you to network, but I want everything to be anchored in some learning-based networking. And by virtue of the fact that I've been a television anchor now, more and more people are asking me for public speaking coaching, which is something I didn't intend to start out doing, but it's something that I have a steady, steady client base of people that look to me for that. Yeah, and we definitely want to get into the public speaking tips and like, and talk a little bit about overcoming fear. If you had any fear on camera, I'm not sure if you had, it did, but I'm sure you help people out because that's one of the things I hear the most. And I think there's people that say they do, and then there's people that are, are afraid and don't say they do. And I want to get into that, but I love that you've had so much success. And what was it like being a news anchor for that long, especially in something, I mean, New York City, if you're from New York City, New York one, it's like, okay, we know what that is. And it's huge. And it's everything. I mean, and like, it's, it, you know, we, we basically had it on 24 hours a day, especially yeah. before the days of social media, you needed to have it on to know what was going on. And, and, you know, know what was going on in the world, know what was going on in the subway, know what was going on, you know, <laughs> you didn't have the apps right. to figure out what line was down. So it was like everywhere. And funny story, when I came back, they had it on Spectrum News when we moved back to Orlando. And so I would still leave it on because it was like this comforting thing. Right, right, right. So, so what, what was it like to be, let's explain, I, I want to explain because you were on all the time, weren't you? Like. Well, it, to be clear, I did one thing, right? Which is I covered the financial markets. Yeah. I was did the hourly updates. And so my first job in 1999 was at Bloomberg. I was brought in as the understudy for the reporters. I needed to learn the language that goes with this delivering business news until I demonstrated that I was adroit with the language and facile with the language. And then I was on the air. I did a short stint at Bloomberg and then I immediately went to CNN. So I did CNN for for uh, four years. Oh, wow. And I went on to ABC, then I went on to CBS, and then I went on to New York One. New York One was the final stop. But the dynamic, I did something so specific. And what was important is that I was credentialed for this hallowed institution, which is the New York Stock Exchange or the NASDAQ. And so I very rarely ever darkened the front doors of any of these networks that I worked for because I was always at the stock exchange. My contract would come up, somebody else would pick me up because it was just something that I did and it was my specialty. And so I didn't have to get re-credentialed. They were like, oh, she's already down there. Her contract's coming up. I'm going to pick her up next. Nice. So that was point number one about being a news anchor. And you know, I was there in the heyday when you saw all those bodies on this trading floor and mm -hmm. you know, screaming and yell, kind of what you see in like, you know, the Gordon Greco geckos like version of Wall Street, right? Like all those male bodies like pressed in in one room. And I will say that over the course of the time that I was there, that trading floor contracted and contracted and contracted until it became just one trading floor. And it was kind of sad to see because there were generations of guys whose sons and their sons would go on to work there. And that, that's been short-circuited. You know, that mm -hmm. tradition is no longer because computers are doing most of the work. And so it was interesting to be there through several recessions. It was interesting to be there through 9-11. Um, mm. It's a piece of history that I was very proud to be a part of. Um, I think the other thing I'll say about being a, a news anchor is that it seems very glamorous, but it's not. Um, I've spent the majority of my career getting up anywhere between 2.30 and 3.45 in the morning to be into work by 3.30 and 4.30 a.m. to be on the air for five. And at that point, that's not just a job. 
that's your whole lifestyle. You know, the clock is always winding down to when you get up and the clock is always winding down to when you're going to bed and you are never, ever well-rested. And it takes a toll on your personal life. Um, and so I think that the glamour is is there, but it's also a whole lifestyle that you have to be bought into. It's kind of like a tattoo on your face. You kind of really have to- <laughs> That's a great way to put it. <laughs> that's a serious commitment. <laughs> you know, it, it, that's, it's amazing. And you had to think on your feet a lot, didn't you? I mean, because those big moments happened and you were there in the yeah. middle of it. You weren't sitting someplace else. I mean, in the middle of it, when was the moment that you're like, I, I'm pretty good now at thinking on my feet? Like, it, was there something that happened that you, because I'm sure, I mean, you talk about 9-11, I mean, all that stuff. What was that big moment for you? So the the third piece that I'll tell you about being a news anchor and when you're remote all the time and you're waking up at those ungodly hours when most of the staff hasn't arrived yet, you have to become super self-sufficient. So I remember there was one morning I was already in, done up, dressed up, makeup done. And my, my tech guy, the, the guy who puts me on the air, the master control guy was coming from White Plains, stuck in a snowstorm. And he was like, Joya? I'm not going to get there in time for your first shot. You're going to have to line up the satellites and you're going to get yourself on the air today. And I was like, what? He's like, listen, if it was any other anchor, I would say she's probably not going to be on the air today, but I know you can do it because you're very self-sufficient. You are technical and I'm going to walk you through this and you're going to get yourself on TV today. So I think that that self-sufficiency is a gift. Like I'm really glad that I am that because that has transferred over to being an anchor or, or sorry, being an entrepreneur today. But there've been so many moments like that where your battery goes down or your mic goes down and it's just you. Like you got to figure this out because everybody is remote. And mm -hmm. so it's, again, it's not so glamorous in those moments, but I'm so glad that I have always been a survivor and I will continue to be that. And I, I you know, that's a great point to put out to other entrepreneurs and because now video is such a big part of it. And we'll talk about speaking, but you know, they, everyone thinks that they're the technical problems, you can get past them. And I mean, you're working for these huge companies and techni uh, technical problems just happen all the time, don't they? Yeah. Yeah, your battery goes down or the mic decides to stop working. And listen, all of the wonderful stuff that you have in your head is great. But if nobody can see you and nobody can hear you, then it's a moot point, you know? And so my cameras were always up in the rafters, like 50 feet away. And I had this little earpiece that was my connection back to humanity. And if any, at any given time, I didn't have that connection anymore. I was just dead in the water, you know? And so... I, I just think that there, there's so much, there's always at any given time, several voices in your head that are telling you what to do. And you have to be super focused in order to be able to drown them out and do your job. Because I, I, I think like this is so, so important because everyone, uh, you know, I preach video, you're preaching, you know, public speaking skills. You know, I think about it and I, I look back at the, you know, the, the people that have done this consistently. And I often think of like, you know, like the Johnny Carsons of the world and, and, and that bad stuff happens right? It, it's, it happens. How do you get, like you said, you have that self-sufficiency, but is there a mental game that you play to get past it when that microphone goes down and you know, you still got to be on the air? Think on your feet, think on your feet. If, if, it, if it means I got to pick up the phone and I've got to call in my report because we got to go old school because this, the camera still is going to turn on, you know what I mean? But just because you can't hear me doesn't mean I can't rely on other things that are going to still get me out the door. So for me, like, I think, again, it's, 
it's like, okay, plan A is not working, but I always have, and I teach this now, even as I'm teaching public speaking, you always have to have a well thought out plan B and a plan C mm -hmm. road tested, ready to pull the trigger at a moment's notice. That can't be something that you're triaging in the moment. So extra batteries, extra pens, extra, like, you know, have your cell phone with you. If you've got to call it in, like always making sure that backups are in play and that you can pull that trigger very quickly. Um, I did an event this weekend and it was a flower arranging event. Flowers were stuck in, in customs in Miami. And so I was, I said to the, you know, these millennials that were running this event, I'm like, what is your plan B? Because plan A is going South very quickly. And they were like, well, you could go to Trader Joe's and get these six flowers. But, you know, had they really thought that through? No, you know, I would have, if it was me running, I would have had a plan B. Yeah. I mean, with our video, it, that's like when I'm doing video production or working with clients, it's like you back up the backup, the backup, because mm -hmm. something's going to break. But then that, that extends a confidence, doesn't it? Once you do that. I teach this and I just did a video on this this morning. I always want to arrive early. Like I clocked mm -hmm. into your zoom link, you know, 45, you know, uh, at the 45 minute mark or, you know, at the 15 minute mark before we go on, because I want to make sure everything's working. I want to make sure that I'm grounded. I want to make sure I have my notes in front of me and that everything I need to say, I'm in that mental space. Um, and so when it used to still be in person, I would arrive an hour early because I want to feel the energy of the room. I want to walk around and press the flesh with the people in the room and build some allies before I actually take the stage. And so for me, like preparation and showing up early is part of my ethos, no matter what modality I'm, I'm going to be speaking to you. I love that. And it's, you know, it's a theme across with all the masters that we have on the show and I talk to is fundamentals. And, you know, it's not sexy. It's not like, oh, this one thing in this spin move is going to get you a thousand people. It's that preparation beforehand. You know, John Wooden is one of my favorite stories. I talk about it all the time on here and you're probably sick of hearing it if you're listening to this. But, you know, the first thing that they taught all those division one champions was how to tie their shoes and they all tied their shoes perfectly. And this is so, so important. And I'm, I'm glad you're talking about this because it is so important. So I love that. Do you have a ritual checklist that you go through or is it kind of like, I know these are the things I need to do? Well, give me a context. Like if I'm teaching a class or if I'm going to about to be on TV, like if, those checklists are different. Okay. Yeah. I mean, but do you have one for each of those or do you have like a general, like you're going up and speak, let's say public speaking. Do you have a, a checklist that I've got to do all these things before I speak? A hundred percent. It's, you know, I make sure that I've got my bullet points on a piece of cardstock. It's elegant. It's something that I can have in front of me and I don't have to worry about it looking ugly, but my bullet points are my life raft. I got to have those in front of me. Um, for me, it's arriving early. It's making sure I have the address, making sure I know who the contact person is. I have their cell phone number, not just their email. So that if anything is going south, I, I have someone I can reach. I, you know, like I said earlier, I remember walking into the San Diego Convention Center and they gave me very little details other than address and this is the time you need to show up. And I didn't realize I was speaking to a room of 1600 Asian American women hotel owners at the San Diego Convention Center. I was like, is this the right room? And they were like, yeah. can't you see your name, your face up on the, on the uh, screen? I'm like, I see it but you didn't tell me that this is what I was in for. And so I was like, okay, Joya, let, let, let's reset. I, I didn't expect it to be this big, but let's now like start to like divvy up the room. Let, I, I systematically went around and I introduced myself to as many women as I could. I said, hi, I'm your keynote speaker today. What brings you here? 
what do you do for a living? I'm interested, I'm curious. You know, and some of them immediately recognized me from TV and then they couldn't get past that, but at least I made a connection. And so then when I got up on stage and I'm looking at this sea of people, at least I could, my eyes had a place to land every three to five seconds because I'd made some allies in the room. So I think for me, like that checklist is, you know, the bullet point, making sure that I'm in my power suit, making sure I'm arriving early and I'm making sure I'm building allies in the room. And this is the other thing, like before I finish, I knew I was going to be in San Diego a couple of days. Give people an opportunity to have coffee with me. Hey, I'm going to be at this coffee shop tomorrow at 930. If you'd like to come over and say hi, I'd love to speak to you. So really like finding that way to engage people past the actual speaking engagement, because that's those are the people that went on to become members of my women's organization. Those are the one, ones that went on to um, you know sign up for public speaking coaching with me. Yeah, I, I love it. And you're doing these really cool events because I want to get into the public speaking coaching and the successes you've had. Yeah. But let's talk a little bit about these events you're doing because you're telling me some before the show it's like i i'll be honest with you i'm getting a little, i got a little overwhelmed thinking of logistics but uh <laughs> so let's talk about these events you have coming up i do not like to do things that are inside the box i love to do things that are outside the box because it's a metaphor if i push you so far out of your comfort zone what else becomes possible for you so i've done skydiving retreats you know where we seven women jumped out of a perfectly good plane i've done trapeze school I've done um, kayaking, I've done hiking. We've hiked the Grand Tetons in Jackson Hole. We've gone to Italy. You know, I am just curious to see what comes up for you in these spaces that you're not comfortable. And then there's that, that zone of optimal growth because you're, you're in this space where you're being challenged. I just took a bunch of people down to bourbon country and we did a tour of three distilleries and then we finished the day with opening night of Churchill Downs. The weather was terrible, but we had an amazing time. And it was just wonderful to be able to network that way. I met up with my bookkeeper and my lawyer and, you know, another coach that I work with. You know, it was just great to be able to network in a different way than just this modality. I'm chartering a private jet and we're going to fly from New York to Miami in August and there's going to be brands on board that are going to be educating us on their stories. But, you know, how cool is that to bring people together for the shared experience? I don't care if it's, you know, going on a hike or going on a private charter, you're having the shared experience. And then it's beauty. It's so beautiful for me to stand back and see people start to form their own relationships as a result of that. You've done something so extreme that there's something that binds you long after you leave the hallowed halls of where I hosted this event. So I, I'm, I'm into the extremity, but it's really an extension of how I live my life. Yeah. And I mean, you know, I was thinking about it. I'm like, we've become, and what's fantastic about this is pretty much now any event is going to be a little extreme since the live event, since we haven't been around people in a while. Uh, yeah. But, you know, the bringing this is such a shock to people, I'm sure. And, 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 and such a pattern interrupt in, in these days of Zoom. And, you know, when you say that these connections happen and the transformation happen, can you give me uh, like some specific examples of, of things you've seen? My lawyer um, is a good friend and he started out just doing like, you know, filing the LLC papers for me to form my company. But then since then, there have been so many people that have formed companies or formed nonprofits that he now has not only become their go-to lawyer, but he's become good friends with them as well. You know, like we, I just went to a brunch the other day. I didn't even remember that I'd introduced him to them and he shows up and I'm like, what are you doing here? He's like, well, I've been working with so-and-so. And so it's, it's beautiful to see that he's not only done right by them, but he's also gone on to be a great friend. Um, right. And so if I'm putting money in your pocket by virtue of my 
goings on and networking events and things that I'm doing. So be it. Isn't that the whole point? Yeah. But it's, they're fun events. It's not just pat, pass the card around. It's an, like you said, an experience and adventure. So you, you've got New York coming up. Tell me about a few of the other events that you have coming up. We're doing racing day at Monticello. So um, there's an outfit called Accelerating Change. And they are trying to change the conversation about women and race car driving. So this uh, woman named Christine Nielsen, who's a pro uh, race car driver, she's of Danish heritage, hosts this day at Monticello, which is about two hours north of New York, where we get to race cars. Very cool. Very cool. And you've got all these events on your website, correct? Joyadas.com? I do. I do. Uh, Awesome. And if you want to sign up, you can go to the link. The link will be in the show notes. If you're watching on YouTube, it'll be down below. Uh, Joy is on there. And of course, you can follow her on. She's got a ton of videos on YouTube, too. So make sure to check that out. Um, And, you know, and we're talking now, we had an interesting conversation about influence and connection, because I think people are learning how to get likes. And, you know, we're talking about connection now, but now there's ways to get likes. And then there's ways to get connection, but those two aren't connected. Tell me about what you see happening out there and what, and what's going on and where's this, this disconnect and connection. (laughs) So I'll give you two examples. I have one client that's launching like a product to market. It's a financial product, but you know, you hear those three words in a sentence and your brain immediately turns off. You're like, yeah, you know, and I'm like, you got to tell me about a time when you had impact on somebody, they were living in their parents' basement and you were able to get them into their own home. Like that is where the rubber meets the road. That's when someone's like, me too. I was living in my parents' basement. Now I don't live there anymore. You know, like you've got to be able to tell those stories that are going to pull on all those levers. Because if you're going to get into the wonkiness of being financial and this and that and the other, those are words that just go over people's head. So I think the first task that I have with a lot of people that I work with public speaking is how do I make them accessible? And the way that I make them accessible is that you've got to be able to tell me a story. I need you to tell me a story of how you took somebody from point A to point B. Now, another client that I have, we all know that Instagram's a super super superficial medium. So you put up a picture of yourself in a bikini, all of a sudden you got like 7,000 likes. You put up a picture, you have something more, you know, ethereal and more heady. You, maybe you get three likes. I don't know. So I'm like, all right, you've got this platform already. You've got all this traffic coming to this photo. Now, what are you going to do with that? Marketing isn't what it is that you do to get people there. It's what you do with them once they're actually there. Mm -hmm. And so with her, I'm like, what's the story? What's the through line? If you're at this fancy restaurant or you're taking a picture of yourself in this bikini, what is the through line? What is the story that you want to illuminate across the board? What is it that people are going to say is the one thing they know about you when you're not in the room? And that through line, that framing device needs to sit across every single picture, whether you're on the toilet, whether you're in the beach, whether you're on vacation, whether you're with your husband, I want that through line to be the same. And I need you to tell me a story. People are often like, well, I don't want it to be about me. Okay. But the thing is, this isn't about you. This is about the audience that you've already built. And what is it that's up here that you can convey to them and also do it in the form of a story? Because here's the secret. Here's the secret sauce. We as human beings haven't evolved that much. We used to communicate by sitting around a campfire and telling information by sharing it via voice. 
in order to engage all three of your brains today, it's still the same way to get a room to be able to galvanize and listen to what you're saying. You got to tell a story and you got to tell a compelling story. And the more emotional that story is, the more memorability you're going to have, the better you're going to be able to tell it because it's your story for God's sakes, but the more that your audience is actually going to remember you. And so I think that that's where people are at a deficit. They're like, well, I got to show everybody a bunch of numbers. Okay. But you're only going to engage like two brains at that point. But when you tell a story, a personal story is when you're going to really have them by the short ones. <laughs> and, you know, you, people are probably looking at you and going, you know, you've been doing this for 20 years. You're an expert. How, how can I become such a good storyteller? How can I find those stories? I don't have any stories. What do you, I mean, what do you tell people like that? Of course you have a story. Um, in my last masterclass, I asked all the ladies to come to the table with someone who's their role model. Now, my contingent is largely Indian. So the big role model in business right now is Indra Nui, the former CEO of Pepsi. I'm like, okay, they've got Indra Nui up on this pedestal somewhere. I'm like, well, tell me six traits about Indra Nui that you love. Demonstrates high emotional intelligence, eloquent, team player, leader, well-read. Okay, so now tell me a story of a time that you were highly emotional intelligent the time that you demonstrated leadership, the time that you were a team player. And they all managed to harvest stories from their career when they too had those traits. And then the light bulbs went off at the end. They were like, oh, she's not so inaccessible to me because I have those traits too. So for me, that's always an interesting exercise because now you're going to walk out of the room. Now you're walking out of my class with six stories that you can tell about yourself. But it's not until I shed light on it and force you, by, you know, and like drag you by the scruff to tell you that this is what you got to do in a structured environment that you finally learn to do it. Yeah, and, and I preach this too. It's, it's, and it's a collection of stories, isn't it? It's not just, because a lot of people think it's, oh, I just need, I need one story. It's a collection of stories is so are you do you have a system or a pattern that you have personally for collecting stories and like as you find these stories. I try to be as story-like in my Instagram posts each day. I think that really forces me. Oh, I'll give you an it. example. Like tomorrow I've got a speaker. Wednesday, I've got a speaker on making a business case for diversity in the workplace. Okay, that sounds pretty generic and banal, but let me tell you a story about a time that I didn't even realize that I was on the receiving end of racism. And what would I go back and tell my 21-year-old self? Yep. I'd moved to Boston, fresh as a daisy, going there for grad school. I moved in with my roommate from undergrad. We had a third roommate who was a local to Boston. And the day that we moved in, and I learned this story much, much later, is that the girl's mom said to her, does the other person, the third roommate, know that Joya is not white? And she's like, why? She's like, I think there's going to be some problems. And sure enough, there was. Myself and that third roommate were at loggerheads the entire time. And it was later borne out that she had a lot of resentment towards me because she wanted to go to BU and she didn't have the money to do it. But minorities ruled BU. And so that was the perception that she was bucking against. And I was just easy target practice because I was her roommate. So what would I go back and tell my 21 year old self, you know, that is how I teed up this Wednesday's speaker. So now you've got a personal story about why I want to put this speaker in front of you. It's, it's such a great, easy method to make incredible Instagram posts as yeah. you know, if you tell a story once a week or, you know, twice a week, you're gonna get so much more engagement. You know, when we get lazy and we're like, here's a picture, oh, heart this you know, bikini, like if I post something bikini, I'll get zero <laughs> likes, I'll get unfollows, I'll be down to zero followers, but that's a whole nother story. <laughs> but Are you you sure? know, <laughs> what's that? Are you sure? 
<laughs> I'm 100% positive. <laughs> I'm not even testing that. Like I believe in testing. I'm not even testing that. So we'll, that's a, that's a whole nother story. But I, I love this idea. And it's it's a challenge. Like you said, it's a challenge. But that's how you get better at anything. And you know, and that's how you become a great speaker, right? Is telling stories. The worst speakers just go up there and go point A, point B, point C. Here's my slide deck. But someone goes up and tells a story. That's what great TED Talks are, are stories. Um, so, you know, I want to get into the speaking aspect of it because you coach people on speaking. What has that done for them? How has that transformed their lives, the people that you worked with? Well, first of all, I think a lot of people tell a lot of stories as opposed to just telling one story, one mm. simple message. And here's where the rubber hits the road. You've got to leave the audience with a takeaway. What was my takeaway from that story I just told you about living in Boston and not realizing that I was being discriminated against? Well, my takeaway today is that I was blithely unaware. So to me, it was a bit of a gift. Like I have to be really hard pressed when someone asks me, have I ever been on the receiving end of racism until I think back on that story? And so today, am I more painfully aware if I go to a more segregated city? Probably. But I'm also aware that there's other factors that are playing into why that girl lashed out at me. And in, racism was one piece of it, but finances were another piece of it. So really just try to understand what's motivating other people. That's, the, that's what I would leave an audience with if I was telling that story, right? And I don't think that that's any different than if you're trying to implement diversity and inclusion in the workplace. You still got to find out these are people, like what motivates them? To answer your question, the one thing, the formula that I always teach is that there's the beginning of your story. What am I going to promise you by telling you this? Then there's the actual story. And the more you can embody the stakeholders and the characters in the story, the more emotional you can be. And I realize this takes courage, the more memorable you're going to be. And then at the end, you really got to leave the audience with a takeaway. Like what is the one thing they're going to think about long after they have left the room? And again, this is the gift that you give to them. This is less about you. That's a great methodology. It's simple. It's straightforward instead of trying to get 20 points across. It's one big point, one big story. Um, and, you know, what does that, like, we were talking about it before, but, you know, you've had some client successes now. You've been doing this for a while. Mm -hmm. Tell me about some of those, those people that you've helped and what it's done for their careers. Because I think that's really impressive, too, because we've talked about this a few times, what you've done for people's careers by being able to do these types of things. I work with a sports medicine physician who never, ever, ever would ever accept if a, if a TV station called her and wanted her to do a live TV interview. So we practiced the answers to six questions about sports medicine and her practice in particular. And then after we finished practicing those over six weeks, I took her into Fox News Studios and she filmed them in a professional studio. Well, the very next week, we were in the middle of a pandemic. And don't you know that a new station called her and she finally said yes to a live TV interview. And we know that like in this day and age, that press still is worth its weight in gold because it builds brand awareness for her. She's got two practices here in Manhattan. So I think for me, that's a win. That's a success that she said yes to that. Another person that I've coached extensively just was named um, national sales director for a major telecom company. And it was because she was able to walk into successive interview after interview and tell a story about wins at all the other places that she had worked. But because she had practiced all those stories with me, we had practiced simplicity. We'd practiced staying on one message, one story, illustrating one win. 
And she was able to get her dream job as a result of our work together. And even now when mm. she still has to give a talk or she has to present to you know some stakeholders, we'll still do a spot coaching session together because I want to make sure that she's coming to the table with the right story as opposed to a million stories. That's, I mean, those are great. You know, that's life changing. And it's so cool to hear that. And it's worth the work. It is worth that work on yourself to spend the time uh, doing that. And so now you coach people. Tell me a little bit about working with you. How did someone work with you on that speaking coaching? I appreciate that. I mean, most people will elect to do one-on-one coaching. I, I design a program that's bespoke to you and your goals and your schedule. I'll do a discovery call to really understand what it is that you want to have happen. Do you want to build a podcast at the end of this? Do you want to be on TV at the end of this? Do you want to be on panels? Do you want to be the face of your business? You know, what is the goal here? And then I go, go away and I sit and think about what I'm going to do over the next six sessions to get you to that end goal. I also have a masterclass that I teach because some people, A, that private coaching isn't accessible in terms of price point, but B, they like the idea of being in a, in a container, in a cohort of other women and being able to get feedback from them as they present. So every six weeks I host a masterclass where I enroll seven women and I have them do exactly what I talked to you about is that they identify a role model, they identify six traits of that role model, and then they have to go back and think about a time in their career where they demonstrated that trait and each class are gonna present a story that culminates in that trait. And what is their giveaway? What is their takeaway that they're going to give to the audience? And they need to be able to walk out of the room to be able to tell those stories to any situation, if they're job interviewing, if they're on TV, if they're on a panel, whatever the context or milieu is, they walk away with six well-practiced stories. That's fantastic. And I mean, that that's so powerful. And the well-practiced stories, you know, one thing people don't realize about being a good storyteller is once you get that right, you can use that in so many different situations. You can craft that story for that specific situation, right? Yeah. And I think that people don't realize that. I was just reviewing somebody's LinkedIn profile today and they wrote about themselves in third person, how wonderful and amazing and thoughtful they were. I'm like, Okay, but I could, I really would prefer if you actually gave me a story of a time that you were thoughtful or a time that you were incisive and inquisitive and really got, you were able, it, this person was an illustrator, but like that you really able to translate this person's voice into a picture or an illustration. That's interesting to me. Um, hearing, you, you know, your own laurels about yourself is not interesting to me because I need proof. I need social proof as to how amazing you are. So let me arrive at that conclusion on my own. Yes. So important. So important. Um, well, this has been fantastic. A lot of amazing and inf- inspiring information. Joya, best way we'd like to talk about joyadas.com. We'll link in the show notes. Uh, make sure to check out her YouTube channel, LinkedIn. Um, and if you want to go to any of those events, someone can just go there, sign up. Is there an application process? How do you do Where do you go to sign up for one of the events on the website? You, all of the event links are public to you. Anybody can sign up for the events. If you want to become a member, I will interview you. I'm pretty hands-on that way, but that's a much more robust offering. Love it. Love it. Well, Joya, thank you so much for being on. I loved having, I loved being on here. I feel like we've had this on the calendar for a while and I'm glad that we finally got together. <laughs> I know. I'm glad we do. It was awesome. It was awesome. And we'll have you back on uh, as things grow and evolve. And, yeah. uh, you know, I definitely want to talk about overcoming fear of being on camera. We didn't get deep into that because we we're so many other conversations, but this was fantastic. Thank you so much. Yeah, it was fun. See you later. Bye. And thank you all for taking Joya and I on your journey. This has been I and Garlic and the Garlic Marketing Show.
Video. You know it'll make you an authority. You know it will get you more leads, better leads that close faster and spend more with you. And video stories will help you be remembered and connect with those perfect clients. The problem is, where do you start? Storycruise.com is the place to go. It's like a film crew with an S. What's your strategy? Do you do it yourself? Do you hire a videographer, an agency? Do you need an editor? How do you know if they really know your business and how to make videos for business that work? The answer to all of this and more can be found at storycruise.com. It is the place to find the latest video marketing strategies, the best gear for your business, as well as videographers, editors, and agencies near you that are trained in video storytelling for business. Go to storycruise.com slash garlic to get special insider info for listeners of the Garlic Marketing Show, including special access to several of my courses, including my case story course. Go to storycruise.com slash garlic to get a whole bunch of special offers just for listeners of the Garlic Marketing Show. Whether you're looking for a videographer or to do it yourself, go to storycruise.com slash garlic to get started today. That's it for the Garlic Marketing Show. If you want to get the inside scoop and the latest techniques, make sure to follow Ian Garlic on Facebook. Facebook.